Hey, Sean, welcome to the What You Should Know podcast. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Cheers. What are you drinking today? I am drinking cranberry juice out of a wine glass. <laughs> what? I have no other glasses, and I figured for anybody that's watching on YouTube, it would look like I'm drinking red wine. I'm drinking water today. <laughs> and on a clean I, I feel like we can share what just happened. We just recorded the first few minutes and then uh, had some technical difficulties. So <laughs> feels like we just said this. Feels like we just went through all this. All right. Today, we are going to cover how to on horses <laughs> oh yeah uh, so sean came to visit me this weekend in saratoga mm -hmm. springs and we were betting on horses and we got all jazzed up and we wanted to share with everybody on what you should know horse racing so, this is not gambling advice colin and i are not professional gamblers if we were we probably wouldn't be doing this podcast <laughs> guaranteed we would have won big and we would not be doing this yes uh, but we do have over 100 listeners uh, mm -hmm. So I wanted to say thank you for everybody that's listening and thank you everybody for your emails and suggestions on ideas. We're going to start on those soon. Mm -hmm. um, but we're really excited. Everybody give a like, subscribe, and share with your friends. All right. Now, uh, now for the main event, horse racing. So how to get started. Uh, ever since the beginning when people were using horses for warfare, hunting, and like herding, it was always necessary to have a fast horse. So naturally horse racing became popular in Babylon, Syria, and like ancient Egypt. It became an event in the Olympic games as early as 664 BC. Naturally, you're gonna want the fastest horse. So selective breeding started to happen. They, uh, ancient Greeks and the Romans and the Arabs but what we're thinking of today and what we're going to be mostly covering is thoroughbred racing, which was popularized in the Middle Ages by the English. Knights from the Crusades brought back Arabian horses that were bred with English mares to produce the thoroughbreds. This type of racing uh, was super popular with aristocrats and British society, earning the title of the sport of kings, uh, the sport of queens, Fun fact is actually greyhound racing, and that was by Queen Elizabeth the first. So uh, that's pretty cool. Now, some famous horse racing movies you might have watched: Flicka, Secretariat, Hildago, fantastic movie, but that's a completely different type of racing. Uh, important races you should know about when it comes to horse racing would be the Triple Crown, which is a series of horse races which are all three-year old thoroughbreds and it consists of the kentucky derby the preakness stakes and the belmont stakes sean have you heard of any of those before i know of the triple crown i also know about um just the the weight of like a horse that wins the triple crown uh basically it's it's like incredibly difficult to do to win it and there's only been a few times in history that one has won and the value of the breeding rights goes up so much when a horse does win the triple crown and it kind of does so much too that uh in at least the last like five to ten years there's a lot of horses that 
might not be able to win the triple crown, but are like very fast uh, and strong contenders for it. Mm -hmm. They'll purposely, the owners will purposely make them not run one of the races so that they'll be in better shape to beat out the potential triple crown winner so that um, there's nobody that like blows out uh, the entire marketplace when it comes to breeding rights and everything. Oh, that's wow. Cause like everybody's like they're racing their horses and the owners make all their money from breeding rights mm -hmm. when the horse retires. Cause they only race when they're three years old. So mm -hmm. after that, it's just all like basically pay the owners money for the breeding rights. So if one horse wins a triple crown, there's going to be so much demand for that one horse and the demand for everybody else to go down. So yeah. they'll like, like in order to horse. make sure that that horse doesn't win, they're like, all right, we're going to throw a race in order to, yeah. to make sure that they don't win at all. Yeah. Basically That's just right. rest them up and, and have them sit out on a half on a race so that they can blow them out. Yeah. I mean, that's smart. Pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, so it makes it even more difficult now today with horses doing that and, and owners doing that to win it. Yeah. Because I mean, money's now everything I'm sure mm -hmm. where I feel like before it was all about like trying to win, be your best, but now it's definitely about the money. Yep. All right. So we're going to go into my pro tips. So for anybody that comes to visit me, Here's some stuff you got now. Number one, bring cash to the track. This would seem obvious, but uh, there, there are some absurd charges if you're trying to get it out of an ATM, like your money out of an ATM, and it's just not worth it. Just think of it like an airport. Uh, or what we did, me and Sean, was you get an app. I use Twinspires. And you can bet on the horse racing that way. Just and, a side note, we are not sponsored by Twin Spires, the yeah. app or company. If they're listening, we're open to discussions about that. <laughs> <laughs> using using the app, I felt it was way easier. I don't know about you. What did you think when you were – I it thought was it was really easy. Yeah, it, it, it was easy to use. Um, it looked like, like people who were placing bets with cash, like – there's all kinds of like papers and pamphlets and stuff you got to go through, which I'm sure that's exciting. I, I could get like it kind of being fun going up to the booth or whatever and like talking to the other people who are about to place bets, like probably cool small talk. But at the end of the day, like I don't need to go through that process. Yeah. And then didn't you say you think that it could have something to do with reporting? Yeah. So I was thinking like with with all the gambling apps, like all online casinos, they got approval to do that because they print out like a tax form. They mail you a tax form, like a W-2 or whatever, but I don't know what the exact form is, but it basically shows your gambling earnings for the past year so you can pay taxes on them. So I was thinking like, because when we were there, there was a lot of people who were gambling with cash. Yeah. Um, so it, it makes sense if you're betting a lot of money, you don't want to pay taxes on it. It's like, just use cash and then... No, no app or no company is going to mail you something that you got to report to the IRS. You just take your cash home at the end of the day. We don't know if that's true, and that's probably also illegal. So we're not recommending that. Yeah, no tax advice here, but that's that's my <laughs> prediction on why people uh, choose to not use an app to gamble. 
All right, number two of my advice, understand what you're betting on. I feel like this is probably the most obvious one, but definitely something you should look up before you go to a race. So how this works, you bet to show, which means that you think the horse will finish in first, second, or third. You bet to place, you think the four, the, her, the horse is going to finish in first or second. You think they're going to win, you think they're going to win. That mm -hmm. one sounds kind of obvious. As you can bet, the, uh, the harder it is to guess, the more money there is to earn. So show you win a little bit less, or you'd win less. Place, you'd win a little bit more. Win, you'd win the most. There are those also some other ones like Quinella. So your horses must finish first and second in either order. So basically you pick two horses and you're like, these two are going to win. Uh, you can also do it using three horses. Exacta means you pick that this horse is winning first and this horse is winning second. Trifecta is first, second, and third. Uh, Superfecta, one, two, three, four. Daily double, you pick a horse to win in each race. So there are multiple races going on throughout the day. The daily double is I'm picking my horse to win in this race and I'm picking my horse to win in the next race. I think, and then you can do pick three, pick four, pick six. I probably would never do anything beyond a double because those are super cheap. Uh, but again, I'm not giving out betting advice. Next thing, <laughs> next thing you should understand is the odds on what you're betting on. So the way to base this and kind of make an understanding of it is think of like the odds as kind of the money you'll earn, right? So if the odds yeah. are one in nine, you're going to win back your money and a ninth. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. So think of if, if you did like a, like a $2 bet, you'd win like 220. So basically right. you're making 20 cents. So if you're trying to make a lot of money, you want the odds on the left side to be higher than the right. So something that pays seven to one would mean you'd win seven times the money. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you keep your original bet. So, that's how the odds work, and those change throughout based on what people are thinking. Next thing you got to do is think of how to pick a horse. So there's a bunch of different options here. Uh, the best jockeys race with the best horses, and jockeys will race multiple times. So the top 10 riders tend to win about 90% of the time. Uh, Sean, I don't know. Did you, did you see that as well? I, I mean, we had our, we had our people during the, the day, but I don't know if that's a hundred percent true. I don't think that's true. I mean, you I do have, we had like Ortiz jr. And he, he constantly finished in the top five, but I mean, I wasn't betting on the fifth place winner. So yeah, I, I wasn't either. Top five is useless. We top two or three, but that's what we were going for. Yeah, I nobody's betting on top five, especially when some races there's like less than ten horses in the race. Yeah. So next thing, you gotta pick up a racing card. We did not do this. A lot of people around us did, and they seemed 
like they were winning maybe a little bit more because they at least knew what was going on and uh, some of the things. Basically what they tell you, it's like a newspaper or like a racing form or some type of tip sheet. Uh, it lists the racers, uh, their places, the day and weight that they are at. And uh, don't pick your horse that only wins on good condition days when it's raining. Because it'll tell you on like what, when they've won in the past and when they're best at racing. So you don't want to pick a horse that's good at grass racing if you're running on like turf. Or you, you don't, if they're running on dirt, you don't want to pick a turf horse and vice versa. Which I guess you can all learn from this, this thing. The next is the paddock inspection. This is what me and Sean got really good at. So <laughs> what we would do is like right before the race, you start to walk over and you hang out a little bit by where the horses walk out. Uh, it's like a little warm up for the horses. Think like a little bit of a pre-race vibe. Mm -hmm. What you're looking for, a glossy coat, a horse that's alert, high head carriage, which means they're like up and they're ready and pointed ears. These things are all great. Well, I didn't know about the pointed ears. Oh, yeah. It means they're like, pa -pa, ready to roll. Yep. Next, you got to focus on the horse's movement, right? We want a yeah. smooth, easy stride. Think like they're doing like their little strider before the race. You want something smooth and easy. Jogging is okay. You don't want to pick the horse that's freaking out. It's using yeah. up all of its energies. Uh, think of the guy that goes way too hard in the first lap of your gym mile. You don't want that. You, Yum. <laughs> that guy, that guy always loses, runs the first lap, and everybody, nobody liked him. Nobody liked him. Mm -hmm. um, next, you want the weight of the horse. The horse should look muscular. Where you should look for these muscles? Behind the ribs, a nice butt, no belly fat. I'm not saying look at it like it might be a woman. I don't know. <laughs> Okay. And if you're betting on the steeplechase, it's going to be completely different. So we're, we're strictly covering our, our regular ass horses. I didn't um, even know there was a steeplechase. Yeah, dude. They jump over the thing. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, I think they do it in the Olympics. I knew there was like the obstacle courses, but I didn't know it was like run laps. Yeah. Steeplechase originally was a horse race, and then, and then they moved it to people. Mm. So... Next thing you want to focus on for a horse, look at its focus. Hood and blinders might mean that they aren't focused. On the other hand, a hood and blinders could also mean that they are now focused because the goal of the hood and blinders is to make sure that they're focused. So you're going to just have to go with your gut on this one. If you're looking at a horse and you're like, I don't like the look at those blinders, it's trying to distract him or keep him, then block it away. But if they're working, go for it. Uh, a lot of this is gut feelings. It, I mean, hey, first race out, Sean was like, that horse is going to win. He looked at me nice. That horse won. Sean won big. Yeah, I won like $15, but I ended up with the other bets that I made <laughs> the same race. I I less than broke even. I lost $2. So. <laughs> Uh, last thing you want to look for when you're looking for that horse, right, is a canter, the pace, like the, mm. the jog. Yeah. You want to watch the movements, easy, effortless, smooth. You want to make sure it, it's, like, comfortable with the ground. 
You don't want to go with it. If it's not comfortable, it will not perform well. Most of those things I feel like are kind of obvious when you're picking a horse, right? Yeah, but what, what we noticed is, and, and we were victim of it too at times, um, so many people place bets based on the names. Oh, yeah. And that messes with the odds. It does because the odds – so you're not betting against the racetrack like you would be at a casino. Like in, in blackjack or, or whatever, like you're, you're playing against the dealer. You're not playing against them. The, the track doesn't care who wins or loses. They just get a cut of everything. So all the odds are based on other people's bets. So when everybody bets on somebody who's got a funny name, it screws up the odds for all the other horses which can work in a knowledgeable gambler's favor or it can hurt them. So I'm glad you brought up the knowledgeable gambler. Cause my third tip is if you don't know who to, who to go to on which horse you look for the guy that looks like he knows what he's doing because that guy will tell you all you have to do is walk up and you go, Hey, uh, who should I bet on this race? And that guy will tell you because this is what he does for a living and he loves it. Um, there's no shame. Plenty of rich dudes I've seen doing it. Rich guys walk up to the dude that's sitting there drinking like his eighth beer. Got, a, got like a like a newspaper going, wearing like a rolled up T-shirt. And they go, hey, uh, who should I bet on? This dude will definitely be holding a huge book and have like a, pa- a pencil and a paper. And he's writing down everything. This guy also might look super stressed out because he probably has a ton of money in the ring. Yeah, that's true. And I would also probably throw into there that that guy might be alone. He or, probably alone. Yes. Or with what we noticed, some very uninterested uh, spouse. Yep. Because he is there for the race and the race alone. Yep. But these guys love to talk shop. They'll talk to you about horses no matter what. Uh, racetracks typically have a television also, and they will announce pro tips on the race. You can, they like record the whole thing and they just talk to you. And there's usually like a huge telescreen. Uh, and then the top horse wins about 33% of the time. So mm-hmm. that that's a roll of the dice right there for you. I mean, that's, that's decent odds. Yeah. Tip number four from Colin, bring tons of alcohol. This is a big one. This will not help your gambling winnings. I would say the more we drank, the less we won. So yes, be prepared to lose your money the more you drink. But make sure that you bring it. Because as I had mentioned before, airports, this is going to be a more expensive drink. So you are going to want to bring a lot of alcohol in. Uh, you, can, you can bring in anything that's not glass in Saratoga, which is a major win. But I'm telling you, guys show up like this is a college tailgate. Sean can back me up here. We, we saw coolers rolling in by and yes. cases by the load. Yes. These Lots people are of beverages. Tons of beverages. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's trying to have a good time. My, which it is a great time. We both had most of our success while we were sober to one to two drinks. But the more we drank, yes, the more fun we had, and the less I cared about the money I was losing. But the worst, uh, the worse our gambling performance was. It's true. Uh, the mm-hmm. last thing, which we kind of already touched on, my fifth and final tip: just have a 
a good time. Oh, yeah. That's the uh, most important thing. Everybody wants to have a good time. You're here to have fun. You can talk to some strangers. And if you want, you can get dressed up to get messed up. <laughs> <laughs> final, final takeaway. And <laughs> that's all I really got, Sean, on, on my tips on what you should do or what you should know about going to a racetrack. I, I mean, I think that that covers everything that you got to know. Um, that's, that's really the basics, I, I feel like. And I, I love your, your closing tip. <laughs> <laughs> um, so rolling into our next topic, which kind of builds off of this, is as I'm looking into this, I'm like, how much money can you really win, right? Like hey, people were like going into this to talk about how to gamble and how to bet on horses. Can it be worth your while? Um, can you actually make a living from it? The answer is yes. Sean. It's very rare. You but... can make over $100,000 competitively eating food. I can guarantee that horse betting is going to be a very lucrative business. So I wanted to talk about the most successful horse gambler of all time. His name is Bill Benter, um, who right now lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So, Shout out to Pittsburgh. Yes. We got a couple listeners from there. He um, And he made all of his money in Hong Kong, where we have one listener. So shout out to Hong Kong also. <laughs> so Bill, um, Bill made about a billion dollars uh, from gambling on horses. So yes, you can make a shit ton of money doing this. But Bill was also a mathematician who created his own... Uh, basically like AI computer algorithms where it, it learned itself how to pick winners, the computer did. And then he bet based on that. And he moved to Hong Kong to do it because of the size of the population and the amount of money over there. And he also got kicked out of every casino in uh, basically America because he didn't originally set out to be a horse gambler. Uh, he went to count cards and basically all the dealers started recognizing his face. Uh, and he was just blacklisted at Vegas and Atlantic city and he had to leave. So he partnered with a professional gambler to kind of bankroll him because he had no money. And he created this algorithm that at first took into account, um, about 16 to 20 different, uh, variables to select the winners and who was going to place and show. <clears throat> I just Free. love that this what? dude got kicked out of all the casinos. They were like, yeah. look, this guy's really good at it. And then he's like, hmm, what else can I do? Because I'm really smart. Also, I found a picture of him. Yeah. I, I will I will share it because I think it's like he looks like just a regular dude. He does. Exactly. Like you would 100% be like, oh, I expect this dude to look like this. Yeah. Um, but, but he, yeah, he was successful in card counting, which is why he got kicked out. And good at what he did. He basically, he, his like response from it was, there he is. Yeah. <laughs> regular dude. Just a regular dude. Um, 
But his, his response from being kicked out of the casinos was like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, gambling is clearly my calling. Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And um, he flew to Hong Kong. He moved there. And he built this algorithm out, and he started betting. And so how did he get involved with this horse guy? So this, this was another professional gambler. Bill Benter okay. was the mathematician behind it. And the other guy was like a blackjack poker player or whatever, but like not a big enough name to like be making enough money to not consider doing that full time. So do you think the conversation went like, hey, dude, I just got kicked out of this casino. I saw you leave in. You won pretty big. Do you want to get in with me on horse betting? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how the conversation <laughs> went, but that's such a big move from Vegas to Hong Kong also. Yeah. Like they must have had like some kind of deal where they were working together in blackjack. And now that like one of them is kicked out, the other one just can't go in solo or something. I don't know, but that's my guess. I don't know how card counting works, but I'm sure if you had two people at the table doing it, it would make your life a lot easier. Um, so this, this happened in like the late eighties, early nineties. So there was no technology too, but um you ever see like casino i have not so casino is uh it's like a mob movie but they catch somebody uh counting cards and the guy is doing like morse code on the table uh and telling the other guy when to bet big oh so when you count cards you you basically you're you're counting what leaves the deck uh so that more high value like big face cards will come out so when you know that like the majority of the deck remaining would be high higher valued cards like tens jacks queens kings um you're more likely to win so you start betting big all right so but it they could have been like communicating that way uh from table to table you know or like yeah like unspoken signals where like maybe maybe he scratches his head or something every time he wants him to bet big and he does that you know yeah um but either way that guy had money bill did not have money but they moved there together to basically start gambling on horses and like like we had spoke about earlier where so much of the odds are determined by the market um they started having problems with gambling because they would place a bet and then the entire Hong Kong market would follow their bet and the odds would go to crap and they wouldn't make any money. Everybody was following my tip where they were like, all right, ask the guy that knows what he's doing. But instead of asking him, they were just like, all right, let's just see what this guy does and we'll all just throw all of our money in on it. Exactly. So nobody was winning a lot of money. So they, um, their answer to that was, uh, setting up an office next to the track and calling the uh, bookies to place bets like minutes before uh, the race went off. But then because they were winning so much money, the Hong Kong like racing authorities said like, you can't do that anymore. You have to be in person. So Bill hires like 20 to 30 people to full-time place bets with his money on his behalf. Okay which is pretty crazy to have that many people betting with your money and your instructions. But that means that he had all these people on his own payroll doing that based off of this. 
So here we go. Here's my thought. Mm -hmm. Does the payroll work? Hey, man, I'm going to pay you $40,000 a year. Just show up to the racetrack three days a week or four day, five days a week, however many days they're racing, and I, I will give you a list and you just bet on those races and this is what you're doing all day. Or mm -hmm. do you think it's you get a 20% cut of everything I win, here's all of my money. Here's no. where you're going to bet. I would, I would do um, – I would pay them the yearly salary – but I, I would be like, look, like you're going to know who I'm betting money on. You bet as much of your own money as you want. Okay. Like, I'll, like you'll know the bets coming through. Um, I'm not going to give you a cut, but you're, it's going to be open doors. Like you'll know everything that I'm betting on. You can pick and choose how you want. Yeah, but then he's got the same problem because then that guy's going to go tell his friend, yo, bet the same thing as me because I know they're going to win. Uh, you put him under contract or something, you know, I don't know. <laughs> X amount of dollars you can spend, you can earn. All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll just, just like make him like sign something where like if word gets out and he finds out that they're the one that leaks, like they might fired. owe him money back or something like that or, yeah. or he's fired, you know, like lost earnings or something. Um, but this is, this is something that's like kind of big that I didn't really think about when we were there. Uh, I kept thinking like people who were making a lot of money doing this, like this guy – uh, Bill, they they were betting stuff with crazy odds. And at the end of the day, I was like, God, I want to win big. I'm just throwing my money at the crazy odd ones that are just like Hail Marys, you know? Um, 17 and 1. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where I can make all my money back and more and leave happy. But he had so many people working for him, placing bets. It wasn't about him getting insanely crazy odds correct and, and beating the markets. It was the fact that he placed so many bets. It was just the volume of it that made him make a lot of money. So that's like, like saying he put like a dollar down on every horse and no matter what, he's going to win money. Or do you mean that he just did it all day, every day? So he just kept winning money. Well, yeah, he did it all day, every day, but he won and lost always. His average rate of return was about 24% for whatever a, a session uh a year they didn't they didn't give the time frame but they would say at at like a gambling period like his average winnings from a day could be around 24 percent. so he just threw in a shit ton of money yeah so it, it would have been a shit ton of money and it would have been it wouldn't be like putting a dollar on every horse it would be like putting like several hundred dollars on every horse with moderate to good odds to win or yeah, like what did I say? The winning horse or the horse that's supposed to win wins at thirty three percent of the time. Yeah. So that's like putting like fifty bucks down on the the best horse every time and winning a yeah. third of the time. But then he's also got like hedges for like all the upsets, you know? Yeah. Like all the potential upsets. So he's basically got everything covered, but not too much covered where he's gonna lose money even when he wins. Because if, if you put a dollar on every horse, you're going to win, but you're also going to lose more than you make. Because if that was a way to be profitable, everybody would just do it. So yeah. he's got it covered enough where, like, there are going to be days where he loses, but on average, he's going to win much more than he loses. And that's why it was like an all-day, every-day event for him. Like, if horses were racing every half hour, Wednesday through Sunday, he was gambling – several times 
probably dozens of times on every single race for that entire period. That's crazy, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, he like grew his algorithm over time. Yeah. Like it started with like 16 uh, variables. And when he stopped and kind of retired, uh, he was using like 130 different variables to decide how a horse was going to win. Um, so, I, I mean, he like never really settled with that. I mean, and, what, I would say we had about 15 variables with ours, you know. I can't even think of 130. Right? <laughs> like, what, what on earth are you doing? Like, that's got to to be at 100 plus variables. You got to be looking at like what the horses are being fed how often they're drinking water and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I, it probably, I mean, I, I told you, I, I look at a horse, he poops right before the race, that's minus a pound, good to go. Oh also, that's another thing I feel like we should mention, that it's mostly dude horses. Yeah. Like, I'd say like 90% are dudes. Yeah. So. Um, like, I feel like most animals, like the, the male animals, like, bulkier you know or, or stronger yeah i would say bulkier because i was gonna say well right look at like the the lionesses are doing all, all the hunting right mm. so it's like kind of different in the animal kingdom but uh yeah with horses it's it's the dudes i didn't know that about lionesses oh really i, I yeah. mean i could be wrong i'm pretty sure i picked this up on animal planet or uh, <laughs> lion king so <laughs> well the lion see the lions they only have one male in like their pride and then there's a bunch of females that do like the hunting and stuff i didn't know that wow gotta watch more lion king man come on yeah i don't know <laughs> anything about that stuff um yeah so then his bill is famous for his exit to horse racing um and when he ended his career, he made about a billion dollars, like I mentioned. But he predicted, which nobody said they could do in like the late 90s, early 2000s or whatever. Uh, no one said that he could predict the triple crown of Hong Kong, whatever that actually is. It's not the same here because it's Hong Kong horse racing, but everything else is the same. Um, and he put a whole bunch of money on it and he won the the payout of it because he bet so early before and his winnings were about $10 million. But just to make a statement, he never picked up the money and he just left it. <laughs> I, I think like the, the clause in the, um, the, the racing league or whatever was yeah. like, if nobody picks up their winnings, they just get donated to charity. Oh, so that's his way of giving back. Yeah. So it wasn't like, I'm winning $10 million. Like I'm letting you off the hook. Like they still had to pay out the $10 million, but he was doing it to show like how much he had won over the years. Like I don't even need this money anymore. So it just went right to charity. That is like aggressively cocky. Like it is aggressively cocky, but it's also a very nice thing to do. Yeah. It's like, I made so much money. I didn't even want to show up to pick it up. It wasn't, yeah. worth, it wasn't worth my money to show up and pick it up. Like Bill Gates, if he drops like a hundred dollar bill, it's a bad investment for him to bend over and pick it up because it's more than that in two seconds. Wow, <laughs> that's funny. That's, that's crazy though. I mean, that's really yeah. cool that that he did that and that he kind of gave back. 
I do guess. we know what he's doing now? Philanthropy. Oh, just being a rich dude, giving away his yeah. money. I, I saw things where it was like, like he still like enjoys horse racing and stuff, but it's just like a hobby. Now he's like, I, I bet without the algorithm, just for fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh. But um, yeah, crazy life. And literally since I read about him and we were at the actual racing stadium, I cannot stop thinking about like why on earth can I not have this algorithm or something? Like, <laughs> how can I find it online? I swear I've Googled it so many times. Like, what is this? Like, like downloadable, like replicates of his thing. Like, I just want to know, you know? Yeah. And then I there's nothing. I, no, there's nothing. What happened with his algorithm then? He's got to have it, right? He's either got to have it or it's gone for good. All right, Sean, if you had that algorithm, what would you do? I keep it for myself. So, but I mean, he's not betting on horse racing anymore. I know. So I, like, I would just give it to somebody. I'd be like, yo, yo, here you go, buddy. Why, why would you give it to someone? If I had, like, if I was, like, mentoring someone, right? Yeah. Like, if I, if I were just, like, as a hobby, like, hanging out at the racetrack, and there was, like, a young kid there every weekend, like, trying to learn it, and I if I had some type of like mentor relationship with him, I would give it to him. That's what I'm saying. Give it to someone like, like that would be such a cool little subtle thing. And just like, Oh yeah. Hey, by the way, you never have to work another day in your life. Like, boom. Well, I guess think about it. It wouldn't work for everyone because you're only making 20% back. Right. So you would, you would just need, I wouldn't bet more than a hundred dollars like ever. Right. So I would only ever get an extra $20 per day. So it wouldn't work for me. Okay, but if I agree because I wouldn't bet more than $100 in a day either. But if I had tested it out and I do this consistently for a couple months and I'm up several hundred dollars and it seems to be working the majority of the time, then yeah, I would up my bet. But like, you know, you're only going to get a 20% return. So then do you risk it by just being like one time you're like, all right, fine. I'll try it with $500. Yes. And then, and then when you see the 20% return again, you go, all right, the next week I'm going to do a thousand. Well, you, it wouldn't be one bet though. Yeah, I know like, it's over the day, but still that's, yeah. that's a ton of like, I, I don't know. That would be hard for me. It would be difficult for me too. But if I saw the track record where I'm up, I I mean, how much 20 a day isn't, isn't a lot, but that's a hundred a week. If you do it five days a week. Yeah. Um, Also, you got to think about it. Like this guy doesn't think about it as betting. He thinks about it like the, like investing in a 20% return guaranteed. Yeah. So you're like, all right, if I put down like a million dollars, I'll get 200,000, like no problem. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. thinks of it as like a safe return. Yeah, but I, I would still, if I had the proven track record, I would do it. And I, I would make sure that it was a small enough percent of money that like, I didn't need to worry about it, you know? Yeah. Like, 
if, if there was, if I was able to like cut back on costs or whatever or something, uh, and I could put like a thousand dollars out to gamble for a day without like actually having pain or issues, you know, or not make keeping up with my bills, I would do it. If the track record, the house and put a thousand dollars on horses next time. That's not a good idea. <laughs> I don't have the track record to do that. If I had the track record though, maybe <laughs> I, I'm talking weeks or like a few months worth of winnings. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then I, I mean, come on. If you are gambling five days a week for two months straight and 90 plus percent of the time you're taking home money. Yeah. Wouldn't you up it? I would up it. My bet. Yeah. I probably would also think I have a gambling addiction. <laughs> it's not an addiction. If you're winning, it's an investment. It's a safe investment. Yes. Well, think about the people that like just up, up and give up their lives and just move to Vegas because they're like, I just bet all the time. Yeah. A lot of people do. That's gambling addiction. Yeah. That I, I could never imagine that. Like, like that guy, I, he was definitely messing with us at the racetrack, but he was just what? like, Oh yeah. I put a thousand on number five. <laughs> like, I was just like, oh my God, I hope that guy's lying. But I mean, number five won, so maybe <laughs> maybe he won big. He was also rocking Louis Vuitton shoes, so. Maybe he really had the money to spend. Yeah. I mean, some people have millions of dollars laying around, you know, $1,000. If you, if you have several million dollars, $1,000 is nothing. Those people were also talking about like wild drugs that they were doing. I don't know yeah. if you overheard that. Oh my gosh, there was like, they were having like a 10 minute conversation of all the drugs they've ever tried. And I was like, what is going on? The guy was like, yeah, like I do Coke occasionally. And the other guy's like, nah, shrooms are my shit. Like I just always do shrooms and smoke a ton of weed. And I was like, what is going on with these guys? Just for reference, these people were in their late 50s, I would guess. Yes, late 50s. So... Not like it was not like your college age kid who's just like trying to go to a party. These were grown adults, <laughs> like full head of gray hair. Yeah. Oh man. You got anything else to add, Sean? I I don't think so. Uh, I mean that that kind of covers it. Have Thank fun you. at the racetracks. Be careful, uh, because it's super easy to lose your money especially if you're drinking. Yeah. Uh, also, if you go to Saratoga, Travers Day is a big one where you're supposed to wear the fancy hats uh, and be dressed nice. That is not an attire for every single race, but it is the attire for some of the races. Okay. And that's, that's just what you should know if you go to Saratoga Racetrack. <laughs> That is also what you should know about everything to do with horse race gambling. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you can drop that guy's name, you definitely sound like you know what you're talking about. Well, I, I mean, like, I, I feel like a month ago, two weeks ago, I didn't know anything about the different types of vets or anything to do with horse racing. So that's, that's what this podcast is all about. So <laughs> give us a like. <laughs> Yo. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us. 
email us and we might make a Facebook page at some point. So yeah, stay tuned find out if we do next week, the Denver airport. Oh man. Wow. All right. I I guess we're putting it out there like that. It's out there now. It's going to be done. All right. Got to be done now. All right. Thanks again, guys. Thanks again. Uh, Cheers. Yeah. Cheers, man. That's what you should know.